Hello and welcome to today's episode of Birding Conversations. We are in season two, episode six, and I have the honor, true real honor, to introduce Malki Shub. Malki is, I would say, is an entrepreneur in, on every level. She's a mom for four kids. She's a professional makeup artist that did my makeup a couple of times. Really, really well done. And Malki is a single mom. Or like my dad calls it, a multi-mom. A multi-mom for four. And it's my honor and pleasure to introduce you today. And we're going to have an interesting topic today, which is going to be, we're going to talk about arranged marriages. So first, hello, Malki. Good evening. How are you? I am so good and so thrilled to have you. And I'll tell you why arranged marriages make so much sense to Sparks, the organization I am running for 17 years. I feel and I truly honestly feel that when a mom can be herself and she can be happy with herself and with her marriage, it directly has an influence on her motherhood, on her parenting, on her marriage, on her self-worth, on her self-confidence. Because like I always say, we're not 10 people. We one person, a mind, body, spirit, including the hormones, everything together, we are one person. And that's why I find that arranged marriages is such a controversial subject. And there is so much to talk about. And I so much, me and the audience, I'm I'm sure they're going to re-listen over and over and over to this episode to hear what you have to say. So before we dive into it, I would ask you, Malki, if you want to give us a little background and history of who you are, where you're coming from, walk us through this journey as we start talking about arranged marriages. Okay. So I'm 33 years old. I grew up in Israel with American parents who were Balchuba. And at 17 and a half, I was arranged married. Um, the arrangement, one of my best friends who was living at her uncle at the time, because her parents, uh, she lost one of her parents. So she was living by her uncles. And the social therapist that came into the story was telling them, I have a son. So the friend said, I have a friend. And that's how it happened. We were sitting at math class in 11th grade discussing it. Really? Basically. Yeah, I remember. We were 17 and a half. 17, not even and a half. Yeah. Whoa. That's a rush, rush. It's a rush when you're a daughter for Baltruva parents. You always have the stigma. You mm-hmm. always feel like you're a C class. And you want to know you're, you're okay. You fit in. You made it happen. You did it right. So 17 and a half is young, but it's not young because you want to know, okay, I can- Kind of feeling safe. It's done. Accomplishing it. This big mission is done. Yes. I get it. 
So at 17 and a half, I got engaged. First guy I met. Second shidduch that was brought up. And for how long did you meet? So we met twice. Twice? First, twice. That's yeah, already that's a lot for some people, yeah. <laughs> I know. Uh, the first time was like an hour and a half. The second time, another hour and a half or two. And then engagement. And then engagement. And were you happy at the time, going back to that time? Yeah. Yes. 100%. I was happy because that's what I knew. Because for years, I don't want to use the word brainwashed. It's too harsh, but we're taught that that's the right thing to do. And that's the goal in life, to get married, to have kids, to do it as soon as possible, as young as possible, kind of as young as possible. So I was thrilled. I got a very good family, a very good boy. What could go wrong? Yeah. Everything. <laughs> Except for what was going wrong. Because you could take two great people, but not every two great people make a match. That is true. It's true that in the secular world, there's three, three times more rate of divorce. It's true. Not because the match. Not, that's not the issue. For different reasons. Because in the religious world, getting divorced is almost not an option. It's like the last worst option because stigma, because you're supposed to fight and marriage is the most important thing over almost everything else, over almost happiness, I would say. So it's not that people are more happy in the religious world with their marriages. It's just there's no option of divorce. It's not something that's on the table. More than it used to. M much more than it used to a lot more i mean i remember when right. i got married you're talking about 37 years ago i mean i don't know if i knew one handful of people that were i mean no one was divorced True. Now, should i think that all of them were happily married absolutely not on the other hand the thought that comes into my mind is that you have to work on a marriage regardless. 100%. It's not something you can get away with. My, but my question is, does every... Let's talk, let's go back. How does these arranged marriages happen? And I'm going to talk about how it happened in the community I come from. I yeah. know in Litvish communities, it's much more open and they meet more times and they have more options. I'm going to talk about where I come from. Where I come from... There's a shatran, matchmaker. That's his job. That's his profession. And all he does is take two people and match them. Suggest How does them. he know what to match? Let's, that's the point. How does he match? Does he say, okay, this person is smart and this person is smart and they tend to act like this in this types of situations and they tend to act like this? No. One of the first biggest, biggest reasons to match people is a financial background. And we both know it. And it's sad to say, but that's the truth. He wants to give this that's, much. That's a very poor reason to match people up. Yep. Very poor. Very um, poor. 
Another way of matching is if you take a minus and a minus, he has a small problem. If it's physical or family-wise or background-wise, he has this small problem. The girl has this small problem. Oh, they both have a problem, so they match. Oh, really? That's like one of the biggest match constructions that work. And in my eyes, a marriage that works that way, it's not, how can it be a match? And now, okay. So first of all, you found two Happen. people that are supposed to work because the backgrounds are similar for any different reason. What's next? Building, getting information. How does that work? Every family gives a number of five, six friends, family. Oh, you can absolutely. I don't think you can rely on references. 100%. Because I'm thinking about myself. When I was a teenager and I got calls from women asking about friends of mine, you think I would tell someone, you know, she's a bit bitter. She's actually an annoying. Of course not. Yeah, because the, the point is, everyone is going to give on the references people that are closer to them. Right. So people that are closer to them, what are they going to bet mouth? I should hope they don't bet mouth them. So, so. But even when it's someone close to you, you would be very careful with what you say. Right? Because it's always that question, like, like, who is the other side? So True. let's say, let's say I know this boy, right? And let's say I know, I know everyone has issues, right? So let's say I know his issues, but I don't know who the girl that comes to the table is. Maybe she has even bigger issues than him. And maybe she doesn't. And maybe she doesn't. So it's very, very tricky. It's tricky, but then what happens is they meet for once or twice. They're not going to learn about someone's character. It's hard. It's hard not it's impossible. Work. It's impossible. And I speak with friends and I speak with people around me and they basically get engaged to someone. Then they get married and they start learning who the person is while getting pregnant and hormones and everything all together. And right away, pregnancy, that's... Of course, it's like a great mix to start life and get to know someone, your partner for life. Yeah, when you're already vomit. And you're not yourself. And then you you're have a baby, yourself. so if there's problems... And you can be grossed out from the smell or from intimacy in general, even if you can have the best partner, but just the hormonal changes can really, really, really trigger that and cause that, so... So you're learning about yourself in a new stage of life while at the same time learning who you are in a relationship because it's the, your first relationship ever and learning who you are in a marriage and getting to learn a new partner all at once. Yeah, I always say that so many women in one year from one person, they become three. Yes. Because from themselves, which... Maybe yes or no, they know themselves at this young age. Then they have a husband and then they have a child that's needy of them 24-7. So where in the world do you get to figure yourself out if you become from one person, three people in one year, sometimes nine, 10 months? 
Not to mention how do you learn who you are in a relationship? And then the next year you have another child and you find yourself with two, three kids, sometimes in a marriage who you don't even know who your partner is. And you don't have that connection and that chemistry and that friendship, but you're a big family already. It's too late to just say, okay, listen, this is not working. Yeah, it's tough. Once you're married, it's tougher than with every child is tougher because by making a decision of getting out of a marriage, obviously it's a decision to break many people's heart that are in, this, in the picture. That's the price. So yeah. we cannot take this lightly. Yeah. When it needs to get done, it needs to get done. But not to mention, if we're talking about the world of the set marriages, the religious world, a divorced woman has a terrible stigma. A guy yeah. gets, gets away with it easy. It's always the woman they question. It's always the woman that has to start everything over from new, and she's there with the kids and she has to guide the kids through everything. For a guy, it's easy. I'm talking specifically about the religious, mostly Hasidic world. You think it's a difference? Yes. Yes. There's less understanding and capability to accept them and give them what they need in the process. Why would that be? In general, I think that these communities are worried of something that's not by the book. Everything has to go exactly by the plan, exactly by how it's been going for 20, 30, 50, 100 years, because it's easy. Once something doesn't work, it's a threat into the community. What you're saying maybe is that it's based more on a collective thinking and collective acting, like everyone together as a unit. And once someone doesn't... Which has its nice side, of course, but it also has a price to pay. Right. There's nothing that could be compared to the community, to the strength, to the togetherness of, of those communities. And to the sense of belonging. Right. But they do not know how to deal with something that's not ordinary. It's and that's where women, yes, that's where women fall between the chairs. That's, can you use it in English? I'm translating yeah. from Hebrew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you fall between the chairs. Yes. Exactly. Um, and that doesn't happen to guys, by the way. I recently heard from a guy that divorced and he complained and he said that even when he goes into the shtibo mm -hmm. and he hears in the back of his ear that some people are pointing on him and they say, here is the divorced guy. And he feels very, very, and that's a very ultra Hasidish guy. He said he feels very, very not on place. So I'm not so sure it's just women. But it's worse. I think it's getting better. A hundred percent. I think in, in, in altogether in the religious world, it's it's a lot of growth. Has I remember when I opened Sparks 17 years ago, I was the first one that wrote an article in the Bina magazine on postpartum. 
And I myself never struggled, but I have seen so many children that I worked with that their moms are struggling and was such a big secret. And you know how we named our first awareness event, the best kept secret. Wow. And you know how many women showed up? We had 860 seats and at least double of them stayed outside with no seat to enter. Wow. The best kept secret. So just like postpartum and perinatal and all home, I think like you said, anything that's out of the ordinary and is maybe, maybe, maybe going to harm the children later on to do also a shidduch to get married or to be accepted to school. So this is another thing. So let's say in the world of shiduchim, of set marriages, a child to a divorced parent is a klatsi, right? He could be the best child. Sometimes I'm surprised. Sometimes I'm surprised. It's considered a stain on him. Yeah, probably. When these kids, sometimes or even most, most times, much stronger adults and much stronger people if they're being taught and and handled right yeah exactly so taking this child no one even checks who he is how good he's doing what his midas are what his strength is the first thing is he's a child of a divorced parent so then you have to find for him someone with an equal problem right that's how this works. And who says that the equal problem? It's like, I remember my pediatrician, uh, very old, I used her for my first child and we have been very close and in touch at that time. And she told me that what bothers her very much, how people even hide from their doctor. So they, you're saying the same problem. So she said, let's say, she said, there is colitis in the family. And the mom doesn't tell me. She says, whom is she doing a favor? And then she's going to marry this child off with the husband and wife that also have colitis in the family or asthma or something else and doubling the risk. Yes. Not to mention when there's mental issues and everyone's about hiding it. Oh. You know, my father's a therapist and he tells me I see so many times when Couples come to me and one of the one of the the guy, the woman, has a mental issue. But if it would be known before, it would be able to be taken care of. But the fact that it was a secret and it was hidden, that itself puts a barrier for the person to be able to deal with it. Of course. Of but course. that's the world of Shiduchim. That's how the marriages work. You you give some information, but you hold back the rest. You're not going to give all of it. You're going to give only the information you want someone to know in order to take that shidduch, because otherwise they're not going to do it. Look, at the end of the day, we all know that you don't know a person till you live with them. Right. You can be dating them. For and you could be years. living with them and not know them till you marry them. That, I is, that is true. You can be living with them. You can even be married to them and living with them. And certain character traits are going to come out only later on. 
mm-hmm. all when triggers come up. True. So it's a very shady area. I find it to be very not black and white for those reasons. I right. do. I do understand that every human being should really feel 100% comfortable to being given a choice. And a fair choice. Because, you know, I had a conversation with one of my siblings. The whole idea of chemistry is or that it exists or that not. It's very hard to build chemistry. Chemistry could be low, but you need the basic. And I told her it feels like a Russian roulette because or that it works or that not. Some people it works amazing and they have great marriages and they really, really work together and they have that friendship. But so many people that I know personally, nothing wrong with one of the people. It doesn't always have to be big issues. You don't have to go to major things. A person deserves to be happy and living in a marriage that doesn't, that you don't have that connection, you end up being miserable. Because with connection gives you the strength to get through fights, to get through difficulties. Every couple is going to argue. That's what I'm saying. You're going to argue, you're going to fight, you're going to have disagreements. But if you don't have that basic chemistry, friendship, connection, it makes it so much harder to get over those things and get through them. It could. It definitely could. And when you meet someone for two, three hours, sitting on the two sides of a table, meeting someone from the second gender that's a stranger for the first time in your life, you're not getting to see these things. You didn't try it the other way. You did not get married at 18 by dating. You got married by the way you got married. And I don't I regret wonder, it, by the way. Why? I don't. I do not regret it. I don't look you back. Don't? No. One hundred percent. About that. I think it's part of you my. You don't journey. look resentful. I have to say, you're I'm not. happy. You like you know you you have a, a, a real true happiness to your face. Because I am happy. Because I, for the first time, I think in my life, made a decision for myself. I chose me, knowing there will be prices. But I made a decision and I looked into that decision with big opened eyes and it was mine to do. I don't think that when I came and told my parents, yes, I want to marry him when I was 17 and a half, I knew anything. And but when still, you said before, you, were not, you, you don't regret it. So elaborate on that. How don't you regret it? I do say my kids are not going to get married that way. No chance. I want my kids' hearts broken before they meet their person. I want them to experience. I want them to learn who they are in a relationship before they get married. I'm just now at 33 starting to understand who am I as an A, as an individual adult. I wasn't 18 before I was someone's. I never had that day of being an individual, independent adult. 
and I'm learning who am I in relationships. And I think that's super important. But you still have to of... tell me why don't you resent the past? Because that's really... really a major message. Why don't you resent it? I really believe that it was part of my journey. First of all, I have four amazing kids. So I focus on seeing that. Really good, healthy, good kids. Cute kids. Yes, smart, cute. Yeah. Um, and I think who I'm, who I'm now is so much because who what I went through and my past. And I have tools now that I, I wouldn't have otherwise. So what you're really saying is that pain is gain. Oh, that's for sure. It's better to get the gain without the pain. But if you do have the pain, you have the option of gaining out of it or being miserable. You speak, I could sit here and tell you, listen, it's not fair. I burned 15 years of my life. I'm 33 now and I'm starting over. But I see it so different. Like a friend asked me, so how is Perek Bet, second chapter going? Yeah. I told her, I don't feel like I'm in my second chapter. I feel like I'm now starting my first chapter. Just with four kids. Yeah. And everything before was at Dama, was a preview. And it made me who I am. Introduction, exactly. And it made me who I am now. So I could sit and resent it or say, what can I learn out of it? And I, I know, I've seen how I'm taking things, habits I used to use and I'm fixing them. So it's a lesson. I went to school. It took some time. So what you're saying is that you realize things about yourself, how to act differently now, because every marriage is a learning experience. Exactly. So what you're reminding me is what I have been telling lots of young moms. And I tell them that you don't learn to drive on a new Lexus. You learn to drive on an old Ford, which means what I mean to say with that is two things. Number one, you always have to give the marriage a chance. Maybe it could work. Because wow. I find that the world of today is a little bit disposable, you know? Easy. They don't yeah, work hard. Don't instant. Doesn't work. Bye. Next. Now, and the other thing that I mean to say with that, that we all bring ourselves with our weaknesses, with our strengths, with everything we have to offer, we bring that to a marriage. And we're going to bring this to any marriage. Yes. So what you're saying, Malki, is major, because what you're saying is, I learned on myself, where is it for me to make changes where changes for me apply? Where I'm an improved Malki now. Yeah. I know it sounds bad when I say it about myself, but that's because how that, I feel. It's actually, it's actually brave and and it's a very it's an it's a sentence to admire so that's what you're really saying yes i could there's two ways of looking at it i still disagree with the idea and i always ha i used to have arguments with my parents when my younger bro brothers got married 
And that's my opinion. And I really hope my kids don't get married that way. But I did go through that. I didn't suffer. I wasn't abused in any way. I had a very good life. I'm taking that experience and using it as school. I'll tell you, within arranged marriages, there can be, it doesn't have to be to that extreme. Right. It does not. Like to get a recommendation, which we call a shidduch, right? About a boy or a girl could be a positive thing in many ways more than let's say meeting a boy at the bar or the movie. Question is, when that recommendation comes in, what is happening from that point and on? What's the rest of the process? Exactly. Right. And I always say, I want to meet someone through friends, someone who knows me. And I'm not on dating apps, for example. I don't, I never say never. That's something I learned, but I don't yeah, see myself. Never say never. I taught myself the past year. By the way, I'm a very stubborn person. About a year ago in therapy, I made an agreement with my therapist that this coming year, I'm going to do 10 things I said I'll never do. Oh, I like that. I accomplished them in 10 months. Wow. Some are major, some are less, but just to break it within me, the stubbornness of, I never will do this and that. And never you mean in behavior, in habits, in in beliefs. And everything, exactly. I'll give you this, this most stupid example. I always used to say, I'm never going to go to a concert of Omer Adam. I don't connect to the music. I don't like his voice. The lyrics don't make sense. It's stupid. It's not my style. And I broke it because all of my friends went. And I'm going to be the snobby one that, no, it's not my style. So I went and I danced. I don't think I'll go again. It's still not my taste. But for the time being, you enjoyed it? I didn't suffer. (laughs) I didn't suffer. I would prefer someone that, a concert of someone that I'm more connected to their music. But it broke something major in me. So I'm saying in you. Yes. Or a character. Yeah. So I'm saying never say never, but I'm not in dating apps because I don't connect to it. Just finding someone random. Um, and I do want to meet someone through friends. I do believe in it. But I want to get to know someone deep down to their core before I even consider anything. Yeah. Okay, you also, you're into chapter two, as we call, but we do, we're going to have a lot of young ladies and young girls that will stay in the religious system. Right. And they will get married in a more old fashioned way. And we want to make it for them easier too. We want to give them some, some tips. We want to give them some strength. We want to give them some kind of eye-opening I would tell them first of all don't rush into anything no one's doing you a favor marrying you or meeting you you have to feel it and if it's there you're gonna feel it trust me yeah connection is a feeling chemistry is a feeling that anyone with no education can feel 
you know what psychology is this because logic is is brain right so what is psychology psychology is the logic of the heart okay because the heart has its own rhythm exactly and it does and have own logic. logic yes so that's the first thing if one person came another one will come. i know that feeling of a young woman that wants to be one of the first ones in her group and in, in her class and know that she's set and she's good. Don't rush into anything. A. B. Make sure you feel it. C. If you see red flags. Don't ignore. Are red flags. Don't ignore. Do not ignore red flags. And here. And red flags could be tiny things. If he says things in a way that you feel uncomfortable. That's a red flag. That's a communication problem. You know what? Red flags can even be not just in arranged marriages. When a couple is like dating, especially for a long time, and they do have those butterflies, they, they fall in love, but there can still be red flags. And they choose not and to. Then it's even harder to right. recognize them and pay attention. Because not for nothing, the world is saying love is blind. Yes. So that's something to be very aware about. In a way, in, about the red flag side, I find that in a way, an arranged marriage, if you could trust the person and let's say your information is accurate and you know enough, you can have sometimes less of a potential for red flags as when the falling in love process where you really don't see anything. It's keeping the logic of the heart and the logic of the brain together and let them walk side by side as a balance is a challenge. Yes. So that's another thing. Number four, don't be scared to ask questions. Ask tough questions. Don't sit there and ask the, the guy, what do you do in yeshiva? What do you like to learn? What are your habits? You're not getting married with the person's habits. Ask the tough questions. Go before you go into a meeting. Go and sit with a friend that's married for a few years. Ask her, what should I ask? Go to your sister. Come prepared. Yeah, I bet this married friend knows a little bit more. Yes. And again, it could work. I look at my siblings. Yeah, how are your siblings doing? So how many me, of them is arranged marriages? Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, maybe? Whoa. Five or six. That's a big number. It's a big number. Some of them, one of them, uh, Mark Zuckerberg was the Shatran. <laughs> Wow. Um, another one was introduced by friends, but most of them were arranged marriages and they're happy and they have good marriages. Some of them have their challenges, but they have good marriages. I'm not saying it doesn't work. Which means they have a connection. Yes. I look at my sister that's very, very Hasidish. And her husband is very Hasidish. She sent me a message a few months, I have Rosh Hashanah, and I look on the WhatsApp, and it's the first time I'm 
he's my brother-in-law for 13 years, he ever sent me a message. Wow. Like when I say Hasidish, I mean Hasidish. But I see their connection and their friendship. That's something beautiful. So it does exist. It could happen. But how do we make sure it's not a Russian roulette? You know what I mean? And how do we make sure that for the ones, let's say, let's say, right, from 100% of a group, let's say, let's say 80% of them, it works for them, let's say. But what's with the 20? Is, is their price acceptable? Because I know so many of those 20%. Do you? For real? Yes. And so do you. So do I. So maybe I don't. Some of them I know that I know. But maybe I don't and know all of them that I know. Exactly. And it's more than 20%. It's closer to 40 if you ask me. Really? Where are you taking this data? I mean... I'm saying 20 and I don't know where I'm taking this day. When you're saying 20, it's the ones you know about. You know how many suffer and you don't know about and they can't talk about it. The truth is that I didn't give a thought how many I know. I should sit down and, and calculate just for curiosity. So if you say also in the secular world, in the dating world, it's the same. So what's the idea of the set marriage if it doesn't bring better results? Look, we're going to have a lot of people that I will tell you that it is bringing a better result. I have a cousin in Israel, okay? She has 12 kids. She's marrying off probably number 10 or 11 in a, in a week or so. Her kids are truly happy. I know her. I know her kids. They're truly happy. Every one of them? Every one of them. They get married. They're so naive. They don't know a thing about what marriage is okay. before. Well, well. You're talking about being naive. No, 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 no. But I want to just okay. say to the extent that they know nothing. They meet probably one time. Maybe a second time is already where the shidduch is ending. And one after the other, after they get married. Being close, you mean? Not right? ending. Not I mean, ending. ending the shidduch. Yeah, yeah, like they're closing the shidduch. Yeah, they're, they're getting engaged. One after the other. And I did follow a little bit on that family for my own curiosity. This cousin of mine is a little older than me. And I grew up with her. I don't have sisters. I grew up with her as a sister. So, mm -hmm. and I have three kids. She has 12. So I kind of follow up to see how this works, how she's making a shidduch and what happens after. And one after the other, after they're married for the first year or so, they're flying a kite. They talk for nights to make up for all the dates that they didn't have. And then they have kids and they have a lot of kids and they're still just as happy. It's like, so this is like, for some people, it really, really, really works. Question is, what is it for the ones that it does not? And also question is, is it better the other way around? If we put both of them on a on a. I I don't think there's one right way. There's never one right way in anything in life. 
Right. Life is not black and white. Right. I experienced something that I do not want my kids to experience. Yeah. Something I don't believe in. Right. And we believe, we build a lot of our beliefs according to our own personal experiences. Of course. Of course. Because yeah. if you asked me in the beginning of our marriage, when I was deep down in that world, I would explain to you exactly why it's the best thing to get married that way. You would? If I was part of a system. And when you're part of a system, you're raised so well and so educated to that system. I could explain the numbers, the this, you grow in love, you don't... I would. I remember myself telling my father worked for years in a yeshiva for Baltruva guys, and I I remember at like sixteen years old having this conversation with a guy, Australian guy in his thirties, very handsome, dated like a hundred girls in his life, and then became religious. And I told it. I remember myself as a sixteen year old telling him, "But you, you first fall in love and you have a great love, and then you get married and it slowly goes down." By us, you get married, you fall in love, and slowly it grows. Which, as a concept, sounds amazing. But it doesn't really work in life that way. When my brothers came and asked me for help when they were dating, and one was dating and one was in a shidduch, I didn't convince them that they're not doing it the right way. It's not my job to convince someone doing something. It's my job to give them tools. Right. And I would ask my brothers questions that they had to stop and think for a moment. I remember asking one of my brothers, when she gets fat after having four, five, six babies. Right. Will you still think she's pretty? How can he know? How can he know? Because he loves her personality and he's intrigued right. by her brain and, and this conversations. Right. But it's important to see that he's not stuck on looks, just looks, right. for example. Just looks. Oh, that's so terrible when it's looks only. But it's very hard not to focus just on looks when you get such a drop of time to, to get to know someone. And I remember just focusing. Well, how many get engaged just after half an hour? And you see sometimes the boy and you see the girl or the other way around. And just from looks, you're thinking, how did this happen? You so, know, those pages on Instagram that have, um, they post everyday couples that got engaged, like religious couples. Sometimes I don't know them, but just for sometimes looking at a couple of the two of them, and you're like, the way wow. they look, the way they represent themselves. Like, I just don't understand what the connection between but those But I'll tell two. you something. People ask me, what's my taste? Have a typical taste, but not really. And it just shows you that it's not the looks. No. No. I'm much more intrigued by someone's brain, by someone's way of thinking. Much before looks. Absolutely, but but when you don't have rather is important because with years we change. I'm not gonna look young forever and 
you know, most women do not stay the same size as they got married and they get veins and a lot of things are happening. And we're talking about birth and after birth. There are so many struggles mom have with their, with their body image. And the body changing and they feel like it's not their body anymore. And they still, and they wonder if their husband is still attracted to them. Right. Going through all those changes. Right. And I think every woman has this, but when it's a couple that got married in a set marriage, it's even more difficult. Why? Because the whole marriage, attraction is not something you talk about at set marriages. Why not? It's not a factor. Because it doesn't matter in that world. I mean, you know. I wasn't told. married off my daughter. Everything mattered. And how many times did she meet? A lot. Exactly. A lot, a lot, a lot. In the world of people that meet once or twice, appearances is maybe the tenth of the thing you check. It's not even something you talk about. I think that needs to be the first thing because... Not because looks is the most important. It actually... But it's chemistry. I mean, yeah, external and internal chemistry, which is important to check. But external chemistry also needs to be there. If there is no internal, then you're right. One of my brothers went into his mashgiach before he went for a meeting, for the first meeting, and he told him, what am I supposed to look for? You know what the answer was? What? Just check that you're not disgusted. Oh, my goodness. Oh, no. So when you when that's the base of that connection and attraction, the woman has so much self, low self-confidence when it comes to her appearances. I think most women really, because they're women and and women are very, they, they just wire different than men. I think a lot of women, from my experience working with tens of thousands of moms, they need reassurances about their body mom. and their look and their image. It's so important. Yes. That's what makes her a woman, part of what makes her a woman. We cannot ignore that part. And how would you say, being in the arranged marriage that you have been, which unfortunately did not work for you, was it harder, do you think, with pregnancies and birth? Were you struggling more in that sense? I'm a very open personality, mostly to myself. I'm very aware. I'm very accepting. I learn. I ask. And I was working in the medical field, which also made things much easier for me because I knew the doctors. And then before I come into birth, I call my, the doctor, one of the doctors I work with. I tell him I'm on my way. So they know me when I come. You had that connection. Yes. But I worked for five years in a women's clinic, in a gynecolog gyne gynecological cl clinic. So the nurse working with me was a Mizrahi, like the Tilomi woman. Yeah. She was head nurse of um, 
surgical rooms in Shari Tzedek for years. And then when she turned 50, she wanted an easier job. She became head nurse of the clinic. We also had fertility there. It was like a big clinic. It wasn't just the two, three doctors. Wow. And I was very close with what? I'm saying it was, seems like it was a center. Yeah, it was a center. Merkaz Briuta Isha. She was the head nurse. We were very close and she would share things with me. And she had this plastic model in her room that was in the shape of a woman's pelvis with parts that come out. And you know how many times a couple came in? First pregnancy, all excited, married for a month or two, and they have zero idea. And she had to take the smile out. It wasn't her job. She just believed in what she was doing. And she would take, take it apart and show them and teach them, mostly the guys, so they know what they're dealing with. So that's a that's another episode, the lack of education in yes. general. How education is important. I'm such a big believer in education. Every girl should know how to what hormones are, even as a teenager. Sensations that she's might yes or not gonna feel, how to deal with them. Boys should know that. The lack of education is terrible and i would love to discuss that it's like it's 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 a crime Not- and the things we used to see the questions we would get from the people there unbelievable but what you're saying is that thank god due to the place you work and the personality you are it didn't the fact that the marriage was arranged and did not work for the best of your for both of you and and it's ended but you're saying that as much as as far as pregnancies and birth you were still doing well I was doing well I was on top of it I was in control but I'm not I was never a typical Hasidic woman I was in a place of power yeah I saw around me all these women that were so helpless. They could not talk. It's not ideal. They could not talk with their spouse about everything. That's not ideal. That you cannot have an open communication. That's not ideal. An open conversation. The amount of women that would get pregnant right after the wedding and the guys did not know how to deal with them. How would they? How would they? They came straight from yeshiva. They don't even know what a woman is. How would you advise women to have their power, their strength, and their choice by being married, going to pregnancies and birth, even if the way they got married was not ideal? Knowledge. That's where it starts. That's where it ends. Knowledge is power. That's true read, ask, learn, check around, speak with anyone possible. When you have the knowledge, you're in power. You can get things. You can get to things you could understand. When you come to the, just an example, when a woman comes to the hospital and she has zero knowledge of what's ahead at the birth, she doesn't know what to expect. She most likely will have a very bad experience. Right. If 
I'm a type of person that lives for knowledge. I go crazy for knowledge. And when I had a time in life that I had migraines and I was really suffering, the thing that kept me going was learning and reading about it and understanding every part of it. You helped me too. Thank you. Your knowledge helped me. And I helped a lot of friends, not to take credit, but with the knowledge. Right. And I didn't give up. And I get, when I came to my neurologist, instead of him just saying, okay, take triptans, which would kill me, by the way, I came with so much information. And I helped him help me. Right. This is a power anyone could take to our hands, getting knowledge. And the knowledge also to how to communicate with your husband. Yes, you know, really, really see how you can make this work right now. Have, have that knowledge. Of Don't be scared to ask for help. Right. That's a big one. Ask for help. Get educated. Ask the right Asking questions. Asking for help is not weakness. It's no, that's strength. strength. That's strength. As yes. more as you could be really vulnerable and ask for help, as stronger you are. I mean, exactly. without a doubt. Exactly. So now, Malki, we're going to give you the last word to close this episode. What is it that you want to tell the world? Oh, wow. Where do I start? <laughs> um, we women should be aware of our power. We have power on our own bodies. We have power on our decisions. We have power on our life. We have power on everyone around us. Use that power. Don't be scared of it. It's a power that was given to you. Women have special powers. They do. Use them. Yeah. And use them the right way. Yeah, that's we're women. We're good at that. <laughs> Very good advice. Tap into it and get some use of it. Yes. And we're here for each other. Yes. That's one of our biggest powers. True. Women are always here for women. Yes. It's just, it's naturally so. And that's so amazing. <laughs>